Well, beloved, good morning, good morning, good morning. I am tickled pink to be here this morning. Amen. I hope you all praying for him. He needs much prayer and intercession. <laughs> I greet you with divine love and Jesus' joy. I am so humbled. Let me see what time it is. Amen. I am so humbled by the opportunity to come uh, and be here at Moncton Wesleyan. I am standing uh, um, with much fear and uh, trepidation. It is, it is an honor. I mean, my kids, they were ecstatic when we pulled into the driveway. They were, wow. And so they want to come back next Sunday, Pastor B. <laughs> you may just see me floating around in the back, but... I am on assignment this morning, and I see some Haligonians in the crowd, amen, who made their way to Moncton, and it's just amazing uh, to Jesus Christ, the Lord of the church, to your pastor emeritus and lead pastor to the pastoral team here. Boy, they even brought out the bishop today, to Dr. Wilson, <laughs> amen, boy, y'all can really make someone feel nervous. <laughs> yes, Lord. But... There is a word from the Lord, and I'm so glad for uh, my wife that is here with me as well, and our kids. And so we are just, again, so grateful uh, for the opportunity, protocol being established. There is a word that comes from the Lord today. It comes from uh, the first uh, Kings chapter 18. First Kings chapter 18. I was trying to do some homework for those that have... Uh, your scripture with you, your sword, maybe they'll bring it up on the screen. I don't know. I didn't help the AV team. I'm so bad like that. I'm so, amen, amen. <laughs> First, and I didn't even tell you what translation. I'm so old school. I know I'm going to get a new Bible one of these days. Um, but it's going to be First Kings chapter 18. And I'm going to read from verses 41 to 46. A very familiar passage in Christendom, and again, I'm just so excited to be here today. I believe that this is a word that the Lord gave me because in our house, we are in a season of transition, and, and therefore, I just want to speak to you what the Lord has been speaking into my spirit uh, on the theme, I hear something. Pastor Tim said, I come from a very responsive congregation, so you didn't bring me all the way from Halifax uh, to make me talk to myself. Say amen. amen. All those in favor, say aye. Boy, y'all Baptists already. <laughs> First Kings chapter 18, verses 41 to 46. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, Go up now, look towards the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And seven times he said, Go again. Then it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, There is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, Go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind. 
and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rose away, rode away, and went to Zerio. Verse 41 again in your hearing. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the south of abundance of rain. The Lord has given me a very interesting subject matter for our contemplation together. And my assignment this morning is to deliberate with thinking people <laughs> on the theme, the power of expectation. The power of expectation. With that scripture in mind, I want to preach on the theme today, I hear something. Father, we love your name. And we bless your name. And Father, I'm grateful for this privilege and opportunity to stand before your people and declare the word of the Lord. Father, we ask now that you would speak to our hearts and to our minds. That you would bring clarity to all confusion. Bring hope to those in despair and healing to sick. Father, we pray that your kingdom come and that your will be done on earth. As it is in heaven, speak to us now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be so pleasing and acceptable in your sight. You're still the reason why we sing and we come expecting God to see you high and lifted up. Honor yourself in this very hour. We present ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. Say it like you mean it. Say amen. amen. If you're breathing, say it one more time. Amen. amen. Well, I love the local church. And in my church, they sing and they dance and they shout. And I get up to spit and kick and have a good time. And I was told that Pastor Tim normally preaches for about 25 minutes. I, I consider that a great introduction <laughs> to a text. <laughs> But anyway, we're going to have one service this morning and have some physical food and then we'll go home and call it the day. Amen. But I love the local church. Did you hear me say I love? I love the local church. My mama went into labor while singing in the choir. Boy, oh boy, at Emmanuel Baptist Church. I love the local church. I was just born there. I have the awesome privilege of serving as the 19th pastor of the historic Emmanuel Baptist Church in Upper Hammers Plains, Nova Scotia, Novelli Coast. And since returning to my home church in 1999, I am very aware, acutely aware, of the fact that I am currently standing on the shoulders of past giants. Don't miss that. I am currently standing on the shoulders of past giants. Because of their legacy, I have story. Because of their strength, I have endurance. Because of their servitude and fortitude, I have attitude and altitude. I love the local church. I love it. And yet, I'm crazy enough to believe that our best stories are yet to be told. I'm crazy enough to believe that our best stories are yet to be spoken, yet to be written, yet to be heard. I'm talking about the power of expectation that what's to come is better than what has been. 
Yes, yes, yes. I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. I said I praise him for what he has done, but I'm going to give him a praise for what is yet to come. Yes, because we ought to give God our post-dated praise, just like you write a post-dated check. I'll pay it after a while. You ought to praise God in advance. That's called a yet praise. That's called a praise of expectation. I don't know how he's going to work it out, but I know he's the same today. He, isn't that what the Bible says? That he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, forever. That sounds like yet. The New Testament says, who he foreknew, he predestined. That sounds like yet. That our latter shall be greater. That our best days are yet to come. And that what is to come is better than what has been. Well, where do you see that in Scripture? I'm so glad you asked. It says, the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinthians says, I have not seen. Ear has not heard. It hasn't even entered into our hearts the things that God has prepared for us that love him. But... God has revealed it by his spirit. For the spirit searches the deep things. Yes, the deep things of God. I am a huge fan of the local church because it is, we are the bride of Christ. We are salt in the earth. We are light in the world. We are yeast and bread. Everything that we touch ought to rise. You are so infected that you ought to affect. Hey, Somebody, And that is why I am convinced and relentlessly committed to ensuring that we do the best we can with the mission that has been entrusted to us. It is detrimental to our future and detrimental to the local church and to the body of Christ ah, if we continue to glorify past methods over present mission. Hear that? I said it's a detriment to us if we continue to glorify past methods over present mission. I love history. I believe in history. I celebrate history. I know my history. I came here seven generations ago. I'm a seventh generation Nova Scotian. My grandparents came as freed refugee slaves from the war of 1812, called by the queen that if we fight against Brit uh, for Britain, against the United States, they would give us freedom and Canada. Hallelujah. And therefore we went north in pursuit of a dream. I said, I love history. I'm known as the, as the local historian in my community. You know, I'm Johnny come lately, still wet behind the ears. But nevertheless, I love history. But what I don't like is walking into many of our churches that have become museums. Oh. Not, not Moncton Wesleyan. Y'all are a flagship. I, I'm a naval officer in the Canadian Forces, and every formation needs a flagship. And we honor what God is doing in this place. In Atlantic Canada, we thank God for a flagship. And we're honored. Amen. But I ask sister churches time and time again, walking into them and like walking into a museum. And I just ask one question. When are we going to realize that a great approach to the past is to honor it and not live in it? 
a great, a great, a great approach to the past. Boy, y'all clap at everything. That's great. A great approach to the past is to honor it and not live in it. Because the past ought to be a place of reference, not a place of residence. Say that. I said that the past ought to be a place of reference, not a place of residence. Even David said, Yea, though I walk through a valley, I fear no evil. Thou art with me. We must live in the now. Amen. We have to define our moments and say God has called us to the kingdom for such a time as this. Because from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent taken by force. Would you get excited now? Would you live for him now? Would you shine his lights now? Would you impact a society now? God has called us with a now mission. And sometimes we are characterized more by preserving our past than by presenting our mission. I'm here to tell you that the commission is still our mission. We are commanded to go. We need permission to stay. So look at your neighbor and say, move. Or say it like you mean it. Say, move. This is not a monument. This is a movement. Tell your neighbor, move. I'm surprised they're still beside you. I said, move. The challenge before the local church in this season is to be relevant. It's to move from monument to movement. Because in my denomination, 450 churches in Atlantic Canada, we have many monuments and not very many movements. And I am here to tell you this morning that this is the season of divine opportunity. This is a defining moment for the local church that God has called us to ignite mission because all throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, God has called certain people to certain missions. Every time God spoke, he expected his people to move. Really? Yes. Exhibit A. He called Moses to free a nation, called him over to a bush that was burning with fire and was not being consumed and said, go down and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. There was a movement. He said to Noah, he called Noah to build an ark when nobody heard a rain. He called David to go down and fight Goliath and said, is there not a cause? He was a rebel with a cause. He told Joshua, you're going to lead the next generation of Israelites into the promised land. Yes, you're going to go around this, this wall, this fortified city. But when you go around the seventh time, when you move, he called his disciples to follow him, to become fishers of men, to become people of the way. And like this morning, as we stand under a prophetic voice, we're called to serve him with purpose and to be a part of the movement. We are called to be part of the movement. My prayer for you, Monkton Wesleyan, is that God will do through you what is beyond you. Because the past is a place of reference, 
not a place of residence. I love how you honored those that served you faithfully over 40 years, over 25 years. You are built on a firm foundation by living in your past as an enemy to your future. Living in the now and preparing to tomorrow will propel you toward your destiny. This about movement, not monument. I said movement. You need to know that we are looking to the flagship. We are looking to you to be the center of life and the community. It's an awesome privilege, but it's a weighty privilege. Glory has weight. Glory has weight. You need to know the mantle that God has placed on this church to be inspirational, information. You know, I, I, I play on words if you, if you don't hear it. Information, inspiration, motivation, but it's about transformation. That we would transform lives and communities with relevant messages. That there will be a buzz for the glory of God. Come on. I'm convinced that whenever God speaks, his children have to move. So I'm just here this morning to fan the flame. To stir up the gift of God that's in you. To give you the shot in the arm. Because it's summertime. And when summertime comes, we go on vacation. Y'all not hearing me. Maybe only in Nova Scotia. But, but you, know, the, you know, the crowds get smaller. And he said, well, he said move. I'm moving down to the beach. And I'm moving down. No, 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 no. When you hear God say move, he said be faithful to the kingdom assignment. In every season, he's still God. There's a reason in every season still to be faithful to our assignment. He said to Abraham, move. And he moved. He said to Moses, you got to move. And he moved. Mary heard and moved. Uh, come on, come on. Esther heard and moved. And to the church of Jesus Christ, we need to have ears to hear. What the Spirit is yet saying to the body. I'm so passionate about this because if we are to reach our potential, change is not optional, it's necessary. If the church of Jesus Christ is to reach her potential, then change is not optional, it's necessary. Thank you. Hallelujah. And so, that's my intro. In the next 10 minutes, I got to get to the passage. Do some hermeneutical, you know, exegesis. Ah, and as we look at 1 Kings chapter 18, I'm just having fun. I may not be back. 1 Kings. <laughs> 1 Kings chapter 18. Don't send me an email. He invited me. Send all emails to him. First Kings chapter 18. Let me this morning introduce you to the man Elijah. Elijah was a man who was a visionary in fulfilling his prophetic office. Elijah was a man who could see further than others. He was a spiritual man, a godly man, a God-fearing man. Elijah was a praying man. He was a faithful man. And yet, according to our scripture text this morning, we find the man of God in a season of drought. Elijah and the children of Israel for three and a half years were in a dry place. Nobody clapped. We've three and a half years in a drought. We have never experienced anything like that. 
Sure, we had a few days when it didn't rain. And we're going to have five days when the sun is going to be old and it's going to be plus 30. And, but, you know, uh, even a few weeks with no rain. About three and a half years with no rain. My daughter is four years old. I can't even imagine. I can't begin to fathom what it would be like for Jordan not to know the joy of rain. You know, the children of Israel, those are children that lived in Israel, had no mud pies. The little children of Israel never played in the rain. They never danced in the rain. They didn't jump into a puddle and got all dirty. They did not know the joy of rain. All they knew were dry, scorched, barren conditions that they were born in and raised in. And maybe we can relate to having physical drought. But I'm convinced that somebody under the sound of my voice this morning knows what it is to experience a dry period. Maybe it's a dry period relationally. Maybe you're having a dry period in your marriage. Don't say amen. Maybe you're having a dry period emotionally or devotionally. Anybody know what it is to be dry? I've been there when I prayed for, for a message, dark and And it seemed as if there was no message to be found. I I remember praying, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And it seemed like God was on mute. What do you do when you're in a dry period? I even went to church Sunday after Sunday and did not experience any supernatural rain. Oh, see, y'all not saying amen. Okay. All right, because sometimes if we're not careful, church can become that of a routine when we get stuck in a rut. And we're just having a religious experience. We're just having an observational moment because we're a spectator but not a participant. Oh, shit. I'm saying something. You have to be careful when you come to church and there's no spontaneous praise. There's no rain from heaven. And like David, your moisture has just dried up. You know, we know the service so well that we don't even need a bulletin anymore. We don't even need an order of service because they're going to give some announcements and then the praise and worship is going to come. And then there's going to be a little skit and then there's going to be a message and then we're going to leave and drop the offering at the back and then we're going to go home. Church done. Check. We better be very careful that we are not having a religious experience, but that we are having an authentic and transformational encounter with God. I want to know where are the saints that want to be like God's little children and want him to reign on our field. God, open the windows of heaven. And saturate this place with your glory. We pray your kingdom come. We pray your will be done on earth. I'm tired of being dry. Going to church, dry. Going to work, dry. Being married and you're dry. You might as well be single. <laughs> Things that make you go, hmm. <laughs> but, but, but there are those that will say, the more I seek you, 
the more I love you. The more I love you, the more I I, I just want to sit at your feet and drink from the cup in your hand. Lean back against you and breathe and hear your heartbeat. I'm here to tell you, Moncton Wesleyan, I refuse to die in a dry place. I refuse to exist and not live. And there's too many children of God who are existing and not living. He came that we might have life and life to the fullest. There has to be more to life then getting up, going to work, coming home, going to bed, getting up, going to work, coming home, going to bed, getting up. Tell your neighbor, get a life. He did not die for you so you could exist. He died for you so that you could live. Have a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. Yes, this ought to be your best life. This ought to be your best life. Don't settle for things that are less than God's best for you. Come on, I didn't say yes to Jesus so that I could join a monument. I said yes to Jesus so that I could be a part of his movement. And he orders my steps by his word. We ought to be known as people of the way. That when my Lord speak, we move. We move to the beat of a different drum. Ah, ah. That there would be a holy discontent. We may not know all the answers to what is right, but we certainly know what is wrong. It's wrong to be building churches and not be building people. It's wrong to be in a monument and not be a part of a movement. Oh, it's wrong to have a religious experience and not an authentic and transformational encounter. It's wrong to be wandering in the wilderness and not enter your land of promise. It's wrong to know about him and not know him. It's wrong to be an oasis and still be dry. And so... In the 10 minutes I have left, if we could raise our expectation, because some of us are in a dry place. I don't know why the Lord wanted me to speak this morning on Elijah. But I'm here to assure you this morning that Elijah knew what most of us know, and that a drought has a beginning and an end. I'm here on divine assignment from Novelli Cost to decree and declare in this atmosphere that it won't always be dry. Good God. It won't always be dusty and barren. What you saying, Leonard? I'm saying that God has a front that's about to move in New Brunswick. God saw your tears. God saw your brokenness. God see your community and your society. And there is a moisture that's going to hit your land. This is the season of increase. I have not seen nor ear heard. That thing that was barren will blossom again. That thing that was dead will grow again. The river is going to flow. The wind is going to blow and the presence of God is going to fill this place with his glory. Yes! Yes! I believe that your best days are yet to come. Good God have mercy that the weapon formed against you shall prosper. Yes! Yes! Tell somebody I'm expecting... I'm expecting that the king of glory, the one that's high and mighty. Oh, please be seated in the presence of the Lord. Woo! What you doing to that clock? Hallelujah. 
Tell somebody, I'm expecting, I'm expecting, I'm expecting. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because, because Elijah knew what it was to be in a dry period. Well, I took you to 1 Kings chapter 18. But in 1 Kings 17, it said that Elijah went to the brook and the brook was dried up. You know it's a bad day when you go to the thing that ought to give you life. He understood disappointment. He understood frustration. He understood failed dreams. He understood. There may be detours. There may be delays. But the promises of God will never be denied. There may be detours. There may be delays. But the promises of God will never, are never denied. He's not like man. That he can lie. He is true to his word. And you got to get this in your spirit. And say he said it. I believe it. That settles it. Amen. He said it. I believe it. That settles it. Amen. What? He said it. I believe it. That settles it. When are the believers going to believe? Why call yourself a Christian if you're not going to follow Christ? There's Buddha, there's Confucius, there's, there's all kinds of... You, but when are the believers going to believe? So Elijah, what I'm trying to say this morning in my last five minutes... Is that he understood the consequences of being in a dry spot. But he knew it wouldn't last forever. And why do you say that? Because right in the middle of his brokenness. Right in the middle of his frustration. We come to 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 41. And this is what he denounced. For I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Good God. Right in the middle, in the middle of his brokenness, in the middle of his disappointment. You know, that brother was walking along this, and he was just hearing crunch and crunch and crunch. And as he walked, the dusty uh, ground was just, you know, he saw dead cattle and dead Campbell, and everybody was malnourished and susceptible to disease. And it was just a dry three and a half year of dry. But in the middle of this thing, the man of God heard from God and said that there is a sound of an abundance of rain. You have to be careful who you listen to when you're in a dry season. You can't be talking to Lottie Dottie and everybody. Uh, he say, she say, they say, that's all hearsay. I need to have a word from the Lord. I'm not just here to give you the word of God. I want to give you the word from God. There's a word when you're stuck in the middle. And he said, there is the sound of an abundance of rain. When are we going to listen for the voice of God? When you're smack dab in the middle, Elijah, y'all, catch it. I only have two minutes. He was in the middle and he heard there's a sound. 
In the middle, that's between you're in a rock and a hard place. In the middle, when you're between faith and feeling. When you're between yesterday and tomorrow. When you're between your past and your future. When you're between what was and what will be. When you're between your sickness and your healing. Being broke and prospering. When you're in the middle of confusion and clarity. Is there a word from God when I'm stuck in the middle? God will show up. God will show up when you're between a rock and a hard place. Yes! Well, where you see that in Scripture? Doc, I'm so glad you asked. Because, because, because. It, uh, those three brothers, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad Negro, they were all in... In the middle of a fire, when you're stuck in the middle, God showed up. Y'all not hearing me. Okay, you didn't like that example. Daniel. (laughs) Daniel in the lion's den. And God showed up in the middle. Oh, oh boy, y'all are high. Y'all are high. Okay, okay, okay. Exodus. Exodus 14. Um... Moses is leading the children of Israel and the Red Sea is before them and the Egyptians are behind them. Red Sea be for them. Y'all see where I'm going? Egyptians are behind them and they were somewhere. Tell somebody in the middle. Boy, you're between one great leader and another great leader and you're somewhere. You better dance in the middle. You can have a meaningful middle because God is about to reign. Hey! Let me tell you, let me tell you. God was leading them all throughout their wilderness, all throughout their transition. God was leading them and he was a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. God was before them. Until they got to the river. Read it. Exodus 14. He was in front of them. Until they got to the middle. And the enemy was coming. And it said in verse 19. Why are they crying? You raise up the rod. And you tell the children. Move forward. Don't build a monument. Be a part of a movement. Move forward. How are we going to move? Enemy behind us, Red Sea in front of us. God said, this one is on me. I will get in the middle. Good God. What you saying? The Bible says, Dr. B, that the angel of God, that the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them to behind them. I said, God, what you doing? Moving to the back. You moving between us and, and the Egyptians? God said, yes, because I'm going to get in the middle. Good God. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. Y'all got to read the book for yourself. Because when you're between a rock and a hard place, God will move. 
so that you can just stand still and see the glory of the Lord. I'm listening. I'm saying something. Maybe I didn't earn my paycheck today, but I'm here to tell you that when you're overwhelmed and perplexed, expect God to show up in your middle. When you're abandoned and frustrated, expect God to show up in your middle. When you're misunderstood and misinterpreted, expect God to show up in your middle. When you're alone and afraid, broken, bruised, and betrayed, discouraged, defeated, devalued, and dismayed, just expect God to show up in the middle. Never saw the righteous forsaken. Never saw his seed begging for bread. God will make a way when it doesn't seem to be a way. Why you say that? Because I hear the sound of an abundance. And you say, well, well, and you need to understand in this season, like in this season, according to the Bible, he didn't say it was going to be a sprinkle. He didn't say, oh, there's going to be a little range cloud. He didn't say there's going to be a little shower this afternoon. Some participation coming from the east. He just said, he said, there is going to be an abundance. That's why I said with confidence, your best days are before you. Because when you hear something, you better look for something. What? When you hear something, you better look for something. Because before you see it, you have to hear it. We're living in a day when it's reverse. And we say, you know, sophisticated folk, well, show me and then I will believe. But in the spiritual realm, only God spoke to you in your prayer time. Only God spoke to you in your devotional time. Only God spoke to you when you were quiet and he spoke, my God. And God is saying, I will, I will bless you when you believe what I said to you. He said to Abraham, leave your father, leave your country and go to a land I will show you. Jesus said to Thomas, blessed is he who have not seen. And yet believe. So Elijah said, I heard. And might I suggest to you that he was the only one that heard. No one heard the sound except the prophet. God has divinely called a new prophetic voice in this house. And sometimes you may not see what he heard. Now that's truth. What do you do when you don't see what he heard? Well, the Bible says that he had a servant that was told, go now. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't a, a, a good thought. It wasn't an option. It was a command. It was a directive. You go and you go now. Even if you don't see it, there's a spirit of expectation that the man of God heard from God and we have to go now. He said to his servant, go up now, prepare yourself for I hear something. Well, the servant, the servant, I know you didn't tell me to say this, and I'm sorry. But the servant, I'm not really sorry. The servant, the servant went up and said, I see nothing. 
That's the problem with the church. And so he came back down. Elijah said to him, go up again. I see nothing. Go up again. God not talking to you. He spoke to me. Oh, Lord, you're not here and you're not here. I see nothing. I see nothing. Good God, have mercy. Woo! I see nothing. Sometimes you got to stay in your marriage until you see something. Sometimes you got to stay in your church until you see something. Sometimes you got to sow a seed until you see something. Sometimes you got to stay at your work until you see something. Because when you hear it, God said, then you will see it. Good God, if I would have an ear to hear. I hear something. I I can't articulate it. I can't explain it. All I can say is that I heard something. Beloved, I have five minutes left. He went up seven times. Biblically, seven is the number of completion. Seven is the number of faithfulness. And when you be faithful to your task, when you trust him, when you can't trace him. That's a good tweet. Trust him when you can't trace him. Hashtag LJ. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! I'm going to be faithful to the assignment because faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word, I'm moving, I'm moving. He said, you got to have faith in this season because everything won't make sense. It may not make sense, but it makes faith. Don't allow your head to get in the way of your spirit. Because sometimes we try to strategize and analyze and scrutinize. And he said, the just shall live by faith. Not by what you can explain. I said, by faith. The just shall live by faith. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. The just shall live by faith. Not by fraternity. Not by family. Not by finances. Not by friends. I said, by faith. Not by denomination. Not by organization. Not by association. I said, by faith. And when you are faithful... He will cause it to rain. So as I conclude, I can't even, I can't even get to the part. No, I can't. I can't. Move. Move. When he saw nothing, I'm here to tell you this morning as I go to my seat, for real, band, come. There's another side to nothing. There's another side to nothing. It's called abundance. I know you know the God I know. And he is able to do exceeding abundantly. Above all that we could ask, think, even imagine. He said to Jeremiah, I know I'm supposed to be preaching from 
uh, Kings and you just went from, genera- from Genesis to Revelation. Um, but anyway, somewhere in the middle. <laughs> I'll preach better next week. Come back. Uh, <laughs> if you ask and keep on asking, he said, you shall it shall be given unto you. If you seek and keep on seeking, you shall find. If you knock and keep on knocking, the door shall be open to you. When he finally got to the place, he said, you know what? I do see something. It's, it's the size of a man's hand. It's coming up over the sea. We have to get above sea level. The problem with the church today is that we have sight and no vision. But in this season, you got to stay above C, C, S-E-E level. I know how to spell. I did go to school one day. Let's, let's, let's get above C level. Because if you can hear it, you will see it. There's going to be a hand of affirmation. There's going to be a hand of congratulation. There's going to be a hand of confirmation. A hand of blessing and a hand of favor. A hand of protection. A hand of acknowledgement. God's about to high five you in this place. Because what you heard, you believed. And that's why he said to Jeremiah in 33, Is there anything too hard for the Lord? And we said, no, Lord, nothing is too hard. It's nice to quote it in the Old Testament, but can the New Testament church still say, no, Lord, there's nothing too hard for you. So he said to that group of people, call to me and I will answer thee and show you some great and mighty things. I will show you things that you've never seen before. How you can dance in the rain in the middle of a drought. If you can just raise your expectation. Last page. Raise your expectation. That's why I go to church early. Because I'm expecting. That's why I come with my eyes open and my spirit receptive. Because I'm expecting. If you don't expect things to change, guess what? Nothing is going to change. If you don't expect things to happen, guess what? Nothing is going to happen. Your expectancy is the very thing that will keep your soul alive. Your expectancy is the very thing that will keep your soul alive. It's your hope for tomorrow, joy for your sorrow, strength for everything you go through. If you can just expect God, he never disappoints. Tell somebody I'm expecting, I'm expecting. I say, say it like you mean it, I'm on my last page. Say I'm expecting. I'm expecting. You're not the first person to put God on display. Really? Well, who else? I'm so glad you asked. Moses built an ark when no one heard a rain. Who? Noah. (laughs) Noah built an ark. Yeah, Noah. 
Who? Noah built an ark. That's a good wife right there. Noah? That's Mrs. Noah. Noah? Noah will build an ark where no one heard a rain because he was expecting. Naaman will dip seven times in the dirty Jordan because he was expecting. Moses will lift up the rod in a wilderness because he was expecting. Ezekiel will prophesy to dry bones because he was expecting. Elijah will call down fire because he was expecting. Jacob would wrestle with God until the breaking of day because he was expect Peter will get out of a boat and start walking on water because he was expecting the woman with the issue of blood will push her way through the crowd and if I can but touch to him because she was expecting four brothers will carry their friend to Jesus climb up on a roof tear the roof down because they were expecting Mary will say Mary will say Let it be done unto me according to your word because she was. What would happen in your house? What would happen in this house if you were expecting? Tell your neighbor, I hear something.